I'm going to guess that every once in a while, there's a little bit of conflict in your marriage. There might be an argument, you know, here and there, a disagreement every once in a while, or let's be honest, every day there might be something that is pushing your buttons, just rubbing you the wrong way. Whether it is all the time or once in a while, conflict is simply a reality of every relationship. And if you've listened to this podcast for a while, um, I've talked about conflict in the past, and we're talking about it again today, my friends. Today, we are specifically going to be looking at your marriage and how can we manage the conflict and fight fair and move forward without letting whatever that disagreement is totally monopolize any time in your family life, whether that's several days of struggling through it, sometimes much longer, or even an hour or two, you don't want to lose that time to a conflict, an argument, a disagreement. And so today we are going to talk about the three phases of conflict. Now, yes, this is true of every conflict, but we're going to specifically um, use examples and kind of angle it toward a Christian marriage, but we're going to look at those three phases of conflict and how we can handle each of those phases in the most biblically appropriate way. So we're diving into scripture and we're going to apply it to your marriage. That argument you had last night, last week, last year, the argument you might be ready for tomorrow. We all know it's coming. It's just a matter of when and how do we handle it. And so, my friends, that is where we're going today. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Love Your People Well podcast. We're here to build healthy, happy, and holy family relationships. I'm Jess, a marriage and family therapist, a Christian, a wife, a mom, and I believe God creates us for relationships relationship with him and with each other. So if you want to build a strong marriage, connect with your kids, find peace and purpose at the end of those crazy days, and keep Jesus at the center of it all, you're in the right place. Stick around, friend, and let's get started. All right, friends, I know that I was maybe bordering on a little sarcastic (laughs) in my introduction there, because the reality is we all know there's conflict in relationships. And a marriage is our most important, most intimate, most vulnerable relationship. And so we have to expect there's going to be some conflict. And so I hope that you are excited for our conversation today. It's not a fun topic to talk about or think about or deal with conflict, but I hope that you're excited to walk away with some practical ideas from God's word about how to handle conflict so that It's taking as little time, as little energy, as little, um, as little struggle in your marriage as possible. So this is episode 103 of the Love Your People Well podcast. You can find kind of the blog version of what we're going to talk about, as well as links to all the different resources that I'll mention. All of that is in the show notes at loveyourpeoplewell.com forward slash 103. 
And before we dive into these three phases of conflict and um, some biblical passages that help us know how to handle those three phases, let me point you to a few resources. And like I said, all those links are online. <laughs> Usually I try to put them in the description for this episode as well in your podcast app. Um, but first of all, I want to point you to one of our freebies. We have a 10-point conflict resolution checklist, which will be super helpful. I am not going to talk through those 10 steps specifically today. Um, they really would be helpful at particularly the first two phases of conflict that we're going to talk about today. Um, but it's, I mean, it's free, first of all. <laughs> it's a very short and sweet PDF document um, that is purposely designed so that when things are heating up, the emotions are getting high, you can just pull it out, walk through the steps and try to move away from the conflict and the argument and toward resolution and maybe reconciliation. So that is a freebie for you. Um, all the freebies are at the website, loveyourpeoplewell.com forward slash free. You will find um, several others there as well. And then we do have some earlier episodes that I would also suggest for you if conflict um, within your whole family, but maybe especially your marriage, is something that you're struggling with. So let's see. Episode 82, we had how to enjoy a family vacation without sibling rivalry, family conflict, or a frustrated mama. <laughs> and uh, those tips are not only helpful for a vacation, but the holidays are coming up and it would definitely be helpful if you're a little worried about conflict at the holidays also. So that is episode 082. And then we also have episode 66, Should You Forgive and Forget Within Your Marriage? A Realistic Look at Forgiveness in Christian Family Relationships. That is a good one. And then episode 63, that's the last one I'll mention today. That is Finding Peace in Your Home and Your Life. Five Things That Disrupt Our Peace and Practical Steps to Get It Back. That's not mentioning the word conflict, but I think we can all agree that conflict is not peaceful. <laughs> They're kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, so hopefully one of those episodes, um, in addition to what we're going to talk about today, might be helpful for you. And then I will, of course, remind you of my usual disclaimer that I am a therapist. Specifically, I am a marriage and family therapist, but I'm not your therapist. This podcast is not therapy. The resources at Love Your People Well um, are not professional. You know, I don't know your personal situation. Um, and there's always a link in the description for the episode to some earlier episodes about mental health and how to get connected with a great counselor. Um, you know, if, if what we're talking about today is really hitting some buttons and you are really struggling in your marriage or in other areas, that's something worth considering, that professional help. It's there for a reason, and there are plenty of Christ-centered counselors that would love to sit down with you, pray with you, walk with you through whatever struggle you are facing. So just know that is available, um, and I do have some earlier episodes around that topic. And now, my friends, let's turn the corner a little bit. So you've got some resources. Um, if you're like me, you listen to podcasts while you're like folding laundry and washing the dishes. So you don't need to remember all of those. You know, again, that's why I do the show notes on the website. <laughs> so just head to loveyourpeoplewell.com forward slash 103. And you can get reminders of all the different stuff that we're talking about today. Um, 
yeah, yeah. See, like in my mind, I'm going through my like housekeeping list here. I think we're good. All right, my friends, let's jump into the super fun topic of conflict. And as I said, we are going to talk through the three phases of conflict. So here's the three phases, and then we're going to go through each of them in a bit more detail and look at God's word. So the first phase of conflict, I would call it the buildup, right? Like you're having the conversation and emotions are starting to get high or someone is um, triggering the other person, whether that's intentional or not, um, or it may not even be a conversation. It's just a, a moment or a season that is building toward phase two which is the fight. Now, this might not actually be a fight um, in some marriages, really, again, all relationships, but I have definitely worked with some couples who the fight, what that looks like is the silent treatment and brushing issues under the rug and avoiding conflict at all costs. You know, that's what they would say. We're avoiding conflict. (laughs) Like, it's uncomfortable. And yes, of course it is uncomfortable, but I would still call this the fight Because in this phase of the conflict, whether you're yelling or not, slamming doors or not, or sitting on the couch talking it through, whatever it looks like, even if you're ignoring each other and trying to pretend it's not an issue, I would call it the fight because the attitude in the marriage in phase two, hopefully this is not extreme, but to some degree, it's me versus you. And of course, what we're aiming for to fight fair, (laughs) to fight Uh, to argue, to deal with conflict in a healthier way would be more of a you plus me versus whatever the issue is. You might be on different pages of the topic, the conversation, the decision that needs to be made, but still it is wife plus husband against the world, (laughs) against all the temptations and trials and hardships that will come. And so I like to call this the second phase of conflict, the fight, Because again, it may not sound like a fight or look like a fight, um, but if it's feeling to any degree like me versus you, well, that's a fight, my friends. And so that is the second phase of conflict. And then the third phase of conflict is what I would call the aftermath. And hopefully that includes forgiveness and reconciliation and moving forward. Um, But sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it does, but that takes a really long time. Like, obviously that can look many different ways. So we're going to talk through the buildup, the fight, and the aftermath. So as we look at the buildup, we need to ask the question, okay, how do we handle this biblically? So you are, again, you may not be in the argument part yet with your husband when this is happening. Um, For some of us in some situations, the buildup is entirely in our own head. Like it's all in our thought processes. We're thinking to ourselves, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe he said that. He never, blah, 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 blah. He always, blah, 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 blah. Like these words are popping up in our head. Always, never, I can't believe, um, I'm so disappointed, I'm so mad. Like we start really focusing on those negative emotions, those negative thoughts. Um, Some of that buildup can be almost entirely in our own heads. He may or may not even know that it's building toward conflict, depending on how we are handling the buildup phase of the conflict. 
But sometimes, of course, this is more verbal. It's more of a back and forth. Um, it might just be kind of a realization that you're on different pages of the argument, of the topic, whatever it is. Um, now, sometimes that might be a really big topic. You know, who are you going to vote for in the election? Why, why are you thinking that? Sometimes it's much smaller. What movie do we want to watch tonight? What type of ice cream should we get for dinner? I mean, people can argue about all sorts of things, especially if there are other stressors and things going on where then our tolerance level is much, uh, much lower and our, our fuse is much shorter. Um, but the buildup could look anywhere in that spectrum. It might be entirely in your own head and what you're thinking about and focusing on, or it might be in a conversation and realizing that you're sharing a different perspective from each other. And sometimes the buildup is long and slow, and sometimes it's fast. Um, it can feel sometimes like our emotions just went from zero to 100, or that our husband's emotions might have gone from zero to 100. Um, it might feel like there's no buildup. I just said, hey, honey, how was your day? And all of a sudden, he's yelling and he's venting and like, what the heck happened? It can feel that way. But there definitely was some buildup. You might not know what it was. You might have not have known it was happening or he might not know it was happening. But something was happening. So how do we handle that? How do we handle the buildup phase of conflict in the most biblical way possible? Because if it's following biblical principles and truths, then it's going to be the healthiest, um, the most good and true and beautiful way to handle it. And I'm going to point us to two Bible passages here. They're not the only two in the Bible that speak to conflict or how we treat each other. Um, there's plenty in the Bible about that, but we are going to look at um, James chapter 1 and Philippians chapter 2. So in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, he says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So when we think about the buildup toward conflict, the buildup toward an argument or a fight or even just tension in the relationship, James is very clear that we can handle that buildup in the best way if we are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, what would that look like? That's sometimes when we read the Bible, that's the million dollar question. Like, okay, that's great. In theory, on paper, but in my real life, day to day, how the heck do I do that? Um, but really this, I'm not going to say it's easy, but I do think it is simple. We should listen more than we're speaking. If you are noticing a buildup of tension or like emotions are getting higher. You might not, no one might be angry yet, but you're kind of on that path if things don't change or turn a corner. That is a good time to pause and to try to listen. And that might be asking a question to try to understand better what your husband is saying or why he has whatever perspective he has. Um, a lot of times when we're in this buildup phase, our natural tendency is to try to defend our position or persuade or convince our husband to agree with us. And both of those aim a lot more toward let me speak so that I can basically tell you what's correct or, you know, convince you of this 
rather than listening. So turn turn the script there. I mean, that's really all you need to do to try to manage the buildup phase of conflict so things go well is to try to listen. Ask some questions. See if you can paraphrase back. Like, what did he say? Did you even really understand it? A lot of times when we do that and we paraphrase it back, we realize, oh, I thought I understood it, but I didn't. Or sometimes they hear what we said and they're like, well, that is what I said, but that's not what I meant. And so asking those questions, slowing down, trying to listen is really going to help things move in a healthier direction. And then along with that, watch out for those high emotions. Take steps to calm down. Now that might be calming yourself down or it might be trying to help your husband calm down. And probably the best way to do that is not to say, honey, I think you need to calm down. (laughs) I mean, depending on your marriage, there are times where that might work. Um, But for a lot of us, if we're noticing the other person is getting heated and getting upset, the best way to handle that is not to point that out to them, not to trigger any sort of defensiveness, but just to say, I think that I fill in the blank. I need a break. I need some time to cool down. I need, you know, I think that we need to maybe take a little time to, to really think this through, to pray about it before we come back together and continue the conversation. Like don't point the finger at that point, if you're seeing emotions getting high on the other side, but take ownership of it and place it within the context of the relationship. But watching for those high emotions and either pausing the conversation, changing the direction of the conversation, um, praying right in the middle of the conversation, like do something to change where it's headed so that those emotions have some time to simmer down, to cool down. You're not ending the conversation there, but you're slowing down that process of becoming angry. And we do have, um, just as far as additional resources here, didn't think about this before, but we do have a 40-day devotional on anger and emotional control. And so if this is a hot point for you, um, that might be a really helpful devotional to sit down for 40 days and dive into God's word, looking at his wisdom and guidance in managing that emotion of anger. But then there is a second Bible passage that I also think helps us handle the build-up phase of conflict, which is Philippians 2, um, specifically the first half, verses 1 through 11. I'm not going to read the whole thing, um, but if you're familiar with it, this is the section where Paul is telling us, if you have any encouragement, well, I am going to read a little bit of it. Okay, so this is starting in verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ comfort from his love, common sharing in the spirit, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And this is kind of the hot point here. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And it goes on then to talk about the mindset that Jesus had when he came to earth. Um, And it's telling us, try to have that same mindset in our relationships. And while James, I think, speaks very practically to, you know, listening rather than speaking and managing our anger so that we're not quick to go there, this verse, or these verses, I should say, in Philippians chapter 2, 
give us a little more encouragement around what should our heart attitude be during the buildup phase of conflict. That we should be seeking common ground. We should be seeking like-mindedness. Again, as soon as we start to think in terms of me versus you, well, now we're moving into the fight phase of the conflict. And so let's slow that down. (laughs) Let's delay that as long as possible. Seek out You know, you might be on totally different pages of the conversation and the topic, but where do you have common ground? And in a marriage, you probably have a lot more common ground than you might be thinking about during this actual interaction, because you probably both value your family and you probably both value closeness in your relationship. Like you don't want to fight. You want to be on the same page. You want to honor the Lord in how you handle conflict. You want to um, be a united front in front of your kids. You, you know, there's all sorts of things that you hopefully are on the same page about with your husband. But is that what's popping into your mind when you're in the buildup phase? Probably not. And so seek out that common ground, that like-mindedness. And then in Philippians, it also, I think, is pointing us toward How do we interact during this phase? We should be interacting with an attitude of humility. Rather than that selfish ambition, that kind of thought process of like, how do I convince you of this? Um, You know, when am I going to get a turn to share my point of view or my perspective? Instead of really pushing for your voice to be heard, look to the interest of others. Again, turn to those questions to try to understand what is it, honey, that you are really trying to say here? Why is it that you have landed on this perspective? Um, You know, what am I missing here? Help me understand that line of questioning when it's really coming from our heart and we seek to understand our husband, connect with him, to be united with him. That's going to change the well, really the whole course of the conflict, but especially during the buildup phase, that's going to change the tone, the atmosphere, and really the direction of where does this conversation go. So James chapter one and Philippians chapter two give us a lot of wisdom for how to handle the buildup phase of conflict in the healthiest way possible. But then we probably move into phase two, which I, again, am calling the fight So that might sound and look like a classic fight, um, but it might not. And I will say here, just as a little asterisk, if the fight includes actual violence or intimidation, if you don't feel safe in that room with your husband when you're reaching this phase of the conflict, then that is a time when you need to get some help. And again, that's beyond the scope of this podcast. Um, That would be an actual conversation with someone. You can find a ton of good resources online, wherever you are locally. There probably is some sort of um, hotline or people that you can connect with. But when violence and intimidation is a part of the fight phase of conflict um, or the buildup or aftermath phase, really any part of it, um, that is a time when professional help and intervention is going to be very, very valuable. So I do want to point that out. Um, That would not be how to handle it biblically. (laughs) To actually get violent, to intimidate one another is the opposite of how the Lord would want us to handle the fight phase 
of conflict. And so um, with that in mind, we're going to take a look at one particular Bible passage. Um, There are others that say basically the same thing that we're going to talk about right now, but you know, we're not trying to review the fullness of scripture in this. We're trying to get a clear biblical principle for how to handle a fight, an argument, kind of the the meat when we think about conflict. This is what we typically are thinking about. It often might include, this is not what is coming from scripture. We're going to speak about how not to do this. But a lot of times when we think about the fight, that would include yelling, that might include saying hurtful things that might include kind of bringing up some of that past garbage that you've already fought through and you're throwing it in each other's faces. It might include slamming doors, somebody sleeping on the couch, uh, maybe even getting, maybe even getting to the point where someone leaves the house. It might include um, name calling or kind of walking into that verbal abuse, verbal aggression territory, or it might look like the silent treatment. It might look like crossed arms and rolled eyes and repeatedly saying, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Nope. There's nothing to talk about here. Mm -mm, We're good. Nope. Nothing to talk about. I hope that's not you, but you've probably seen couples where that is how they handle the fight, where there's a wall that goes up in between them. Whether you're engaging in the fight with the yelling and the slamming doors, or you're trying to withdraw from the fight by putting up that wall, neither of those would fit what God tells us in his word should be happening during the fight phase of conflict. So we are going to look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. And again, I'm not necessarily going to sit here and read the whole thing. Um, And there are other passages that speak to these very same issues. They might use slightly different words, but you know, it's, it's a very familiar theme. This is a passage that's basically telling us, put to death this, 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 and this, stop doing this, 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 and this, and instead do this and this and this. And so this is one of my favorite passages that kind of outlines things like that, do this, but don't do this. But again, there are others. So what do we see in Colossians chapter three about how to handle the fight the argument, the kind of meat of the conflict. When we look at the beginning here, verses one through three, we see that it is really important that we notice where is our heart and where is our mind. As we are walking into the full-blown argument, the fight about whatever the topic is, the very beginning here of Colossians 3 makes it very clear that because we have been raised with Christ, that is our new identity. That is who we are. We are new creations in the Lord. Because of that, we set our heart on things above where Christ is, and we set our mind on things above rather than on earthly things. And for most of us, if we're fighting poorly, we're yelling or we're putting up that wall, we are probably focused in our heart and our mind on those earthly things. We're focused on um, defensiveness. Our pride might be coming out. Our selfishness might be coming out rather than a more Christ-like attitude like we just talked about in Philippians 2 of humility and seeking the other person's best, the other person's interests above our own. 
And so we can really change the direction of the fight if we take stock of where is my heart, where is my mind, what am I focusing on, what emotions am I allowing myself to dwell in, what thoughts am I allowing to just roll around in my head, because a lot of times they come and they just stay on repeat, and that's not usually very helpful. And so noticing that and trying to purposefully shift toward a more Christ-like perspective and attitude that doesn't have anything to do with the topic that you're arguing about, but it has everything to do with how does that fight impact your marriage, the next 10 minutes, the next hour, the next year of your life and your, your relationship and your family. And then, of course, these verses in Colossians 3 go on to tell us some things to avoid and some things that we should be doing instead. So in verses 8 and 9, we see very clearly Um, It says, you must rid yourself of anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. I'm reading from the NIV, so if you have a different translation, it might use some slightly different words there. Um, But I'm sure, I'm very confident that the theme is the same. Rid yourself of these nasty emotions, anger, rage, malice. Rid yourself of cruel words, slander, filthy language, lying. If that is coming out of your mouth during the fight, then you have a problem. You are not headed in a healthy or holy or happy direction. And we will talk in just a few minutes about the aftermath phase. What if these things do come out of our mouth? We often, in the heat of the moment, say things that we later regret. We might still believe, you know, maybe the the idea of what we said, but the way that we said it, the words that we used were not helpful, were not kind. Um, So I don't think any of this is like a shocker to us that, oh, we should not be filled with rage when we're fighting with our husband. Oh, we should not lie to each other. We know this. I know this. I'm confident you know this. I'm not confident that I always abide by these words of scripture in the heat of the moment when my emotions are high and I'm hungry and I haven't slept and like I'm not at my best and yet we're having this argument. That is when it's really easy for things to slip off our tongue that we know shouldn't be there and we later regret. And so just be aware of that. Know how much of a temptation that may or may not be for yourself. And then when we talk about the aftermath phase, you need to be willing and able to respond to any of these sins that might have come out during the fight. But then, of course, um, it's not just telling us what to avoid. It's going to tell us what to focus on Instead, So instead of being filled with rage, slander, using filthy language, lying to one another, instead of that, we can look at uh, verses 12 through 17 really give us a lovely picture of how we should interact with one another, most especially in our marriage. And here's what it says, at least the beginning portion. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, 
gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And then it goes on to call us to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts and let the message of Christ dwell among us richly as we teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs in the spirit. Um, Sing to God with gratitude in your heart and whatever you do, this is verse 17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I would challenge you to consider how often when you're having a fight with your husband, you're having a disagreement, you're having an argument, are you doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus? Are you giving thanks to God the Father through Jesus as you are fighting with your husband? I do think that is possible. Whatever you do in word or deed and an argument with your spouse would absolutely fall into that category. That's a pretty broad category. Whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And if that is my goal, as I approach my husband about something we disagree about, something we need to work through or figure out or resolve, that fight is going to sound a lot different than if I'm letting myself dwell on my pride or my selfishness or my emotions or whatever it might be that's coming up from my flesh. And so not only should we avoid the anger and the lying and things like that, but we should instead focus on compassion and kindness. We should focus on how do I love my husband well in this moment where we are on very different pages? How do I honor the Lord during and through this argument? Because absolutely, we can disagree with one another It's a good and healthy thing for believers, especially if you and your husband are both believers, and I certainly hope and pray that you are. It is a good thing to let iron sharpen iron. Like, it's okay to disagree about stuff and to talk through why do you land where you land? Why do you have the perspective that you have? Like, opening up that door, exploring that with the goal of understanding truth, living well, serving God, like if that's the common ground, then this can be a really fruitful and helpful dialogue if you're approaching it with compassion and gentleness and patience and doing it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So I know that's probably not what you think about when you're in the fight phase of conflict, but try to start shifting that focus for yourself. And again, that freebie that I mentioned with the 10-point conflict resolution checklist, um, that might really help during this phase of the conflict because when your emotions are high, it's a lot harder than to turn your thoughts and your words toward kindness and patience and um, gentleness. But when you're approaching the conversation in a different way, your emotions are more under control, it's easier then to have a right perspective and let that lead the words and the tone of voice that are coming into the conversation. 
And then let's wrap things up by looking at phase three of conflict, which is the aftermath. So you've um, had the buildup. You've kind of realized we are on different pages about this topic. You've worked it through, hopefully in a kind and compassionate way. Um, but whether that went well or went horribly, how do we handle the aftermath? How do we handle that biblically? And again, for some couples, you know, we can handle conflict and it's kind of, it's a short thing. We work through it. Hopefully we're closer together. We understand each other better on the other side. But sometimes we see silent treatment. Someone is sleeping on the couch. Um, you know, very few couples get divorced without having gone through some nasty conflict. Like we know the aftermath can be really ugly. But whether you feel like in your marriage, it's it's leaning into that ugly territory or you just kind of pretend it never happened. It's under the rug. Like that was an awkward conversation. We're going to walk on eggshells for a little bit and then get back to normal and like never revisit it. That's a really common approach people have as they try to avoid conflict. Um, neither of those is actually a very biblical way to handle the aftermath of conflict. So I want to suggest three biblical principles for how we should handle the aftermath and the scriptures that I would use to justify that or explain that. Again, there's other scriptures that would point to the same principles. But the first thing I would point out is that we need to confess our sins and whatever it is we did that that we would say, looking back, we mishandled that conflict. Did we get lost in our anger? Were we maybe quicker to speak instead of listen? Did we totally fall short on patience and gentleness and compassion during the conversation, the argument? Whatever it is that we did poorly, we need to confess that to our husband and to the Lord. And actually, I would, I would reverse that order. We should confess it to the Lord and confess it to our husband. And I would really point you to read through, pray through 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, which tells us, again, this is the NIV, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he, speaking about Jesus, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out, we make Jesus out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. That is a harsh truth, my friends. That is like black and white. I don't like reading those verses because sometimes I do deceive myself and try to pretend I was without sin. Maybe that's in an argument with my husband. Maybe that's in how I parented my kids. Like all sorts of things that I know deep down, oh, I did not really handle that in the best possible way. But it's a lot easier to just move on. It really wasn't that bad. Like that justification in our minds, it comes on so quickly. And it is so against what God is telling us here in First John. If we claim to be without sin... In how we handled a fight with our husband, we probably are deceiving ourselves. And we probably are, are holding back on the forgiveness and the purification that the Lord wants to give us. And so how do we handle the aftermath? We need to confess. We need to come clean and be honest 
about what happened and our part in it. And then the second part of the aftermath, if we want things to go well, we want to reconcile, we want to move forward in the healthiest way possible, we need to forgive. But we need to forgive ourselves for those things we just confessed. We also need to forgive our husband. He might not have said the kindest things in your argument. He might not have treated you in the best way possible. And again, you know, I mentioned before about violence and intimidation. Those are much deeper and bigger issues that need professional help. Now, the Lord is clear about forgiveness in any and every situation, but that is a deep, powerful, traumatic thing that uh, is beyond what we are talking about here. We're talking about that argument you had maybe last night, maybe last week, whatever it was. We need to confess, but then we also need to forgive. Let me read through Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 to 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now, again, this is a little similar to what we read through in Colossians 3, um, but I think it speaks more clearly to the aftermath phase of conflict because bitterness can build so quickly. If we refuse to forgive, then that root of bitterness has a much more fertile ground in our heart to grow. And we need to get rid of that. The best way to get rid of bitterness and rage and slander and malice is to forgive each other. And if we forgive each other, kindness and compassion is a lot easier. And I really like that these verses are very clear. We are not forgiving our husband because he handled the conflict well. And we're not forgiving him because he bought us flowers afterward. And we're not forgiving him because um, we love him and he's so cute and I just can't stay mad at him. We are forgiving our husband and ourselves for whatever happened during the buildup and the fight because in Christ, God forgave us. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. There's no option here. If you want to actually move forward in your marriage after your conflict, there needs to be forgiveness. And then the third piece I would point out here is that we need to reconcile and move forward. We cannot stay stuck in that place of frustration or, or even just disagreement. Like sometimes the same argument, the same disagreement comes up again and again and again. And at some point, we need to just maybe agree to disagree or wrestle with the verses that tell wives to submit to their husbands. Like you might not always agree, but sometimes a decision, an end point needs to be reached. We need to move forward. And I really like to turn to Matthew chapter 5 here. Um, Jesus is speaking and he's saying, uh, this is verses 23 and 24. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. Like very clearly, Jesus wants us to prioritize our relationships. 
He does not want us brushing it under the rug and just like, we're going to go to church and smile through it. And I'm going to have my private quiet time. I might confess it to the Lord, but like, I'm not going to talk about it with my husband. No, he wants us to first go and be reconciled. That is a gift to the Lord. When we are willing to let the Holy Spirit lead us as we confess and forgive and reconcile and move forward. Now, there might be future conversations that need to happen in the aftermath, depending on how the conflict has gone and what the topic is. Like, again, there might be multiple conversations about this, but we need to move forward. We need to figure out how to do that. And so I really hope, my friends, that, um, well, first of all, that this all makes sense, (laughs) but I also really hope that these particular scripture passages help you understand how to approach conflict. We're not trying to erase it. We're not trying to totally get rid of it, but we are trying to handle it well. So whether it's the buildup, the fight, or the aftermath, or all three, we want to let God's word saturate what those conversations, arguments, fights, disagreements, what that conflict looks like in our marriages. So you can find all of these scriptures, again, in the show notes for today, if you want to kind of read through that, or you're thinking, wait, what was it Jessica talked about? Um, All of that is on the website at loveyourpeoplewell.com forward slash 103. And I do hope that you will circle back with us on Friday in our Friday Faith Follow-Up. We are going to dive into 1 Corinthians 13 um, to take a look at particularly our Christian marriage, but just to kind of dive into that as a devotional in in continuing to understand what should conflict look like in our marriage. How can we handle that? How do we approach the relationship knowing that sometimes conflict is going to happen? So I think that will be a helpful and meaningful conversation as well. So I do hope that you will um, subscribe to the podcast and circle back with us for the Friday Faith follow-up. And until then, my friend, hugs and blessings to you. I'll talk to you soon.